Friday is the premiere of Donnie and Marie. Get set for an all-new Marie. As they take off on a new season with Chris Christopherson, Paul Lynn, and Red Fox in a far-out salute to Star Wars. I knew we should have taken a cab. On Donnie and Marie's premiere. everywhere and welcome to episode 9 of Blast Points. I'm your host Jason Gibner and this week we have a special episode with an investigative report from Mr. Brad Toriano. Now a while back Brad contacted me about if he could do some research and investigating on one of his favorite things in the Star Wars universe and what is probably one of the weirdest things in the Star Wars universe the Star Wars Donnie and Marie special. So with that, let's turn it over to our investigative report with Brad Toriano. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. It's overkill, Master. Investigation is implied in our mandate. Okay, so I'm here with Blast Points investigative reporter Brad Toriano. Brad, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I'm, I'm in the trenches right now. So for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the, the form of entertainment of the mid-1970s called The Variety Show, what, what was the 70s TV variety show? Well, I think probably in the 70s it was kind of what a reality show might be to this generation where people were famous and maybe they didn't have a new album to promote or perhaps like they weren't in a TV show at the moment, but they had name value. So like CBS or ABC or or some network would propose to do a variety show with them, which meant they would host it and they would always have guest musicians and guest actors and these people would come on and do sketches and do music and it sounds like Saturday Night Live but it was a very primitive very innocent version of that where like it's usually very like PG and and good for the kids and had kind of like a G-Golly like uh, Americana kind of vibe to it and stuff very wholesome Um, very wholesome right very very wholesome yes and like everyone seemed to do one too like from Cher to Bob Hope to Paul Lind, like all these amazing people had TV shows in the 70s. And they would have on the weirdest, like, it'd be like 
Kiss and Betty White or whatever. Like, yeah, Alice just, Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> like, probably, you know, the one thing that maybe, like, the current generation has seen from that is The Muppet Show. I think The Muppet Show probably holds more water than any other variety show from the era. And The Muppet Show kind of was the last big show like that. It was the last one to kind of have all that. And probably did it better... And the show is hosted by humans for the most part. Yeah, it's true. Donnie and Marie Osmond, where the heck did they come from? All right, so the Osmond family in general was like a show business family. Um, Donnie and Marie were kind of, they, they were like these weird TV celebrities, a little bit more than, than maybe like music celebrities, but they made music. Uh, they were famous for singing that song, a uh, little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. Right. Who can and forget it? I'm sure all of our listeners know all the words by heart. He's a little bit gentle. He's a little bit run wild. She's a little bit of a grown woman. She's a little bit of child. I don't know if I'm happy or sad. My music makes me whole. I'm a little bit country. And I'm a little bit rock and roll. No. Yeah, still a huge song to this day, right? It's still, still, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't avoid it. It's everywhere. (laughs) And so, like, so they were just given a TV show. Like, I don't think they were up to much. Uh, Donny Osmond and his brothers had actually done a pretty sweet rock record that didn't really blow up, even though it's still a sweet album it's uh crazy horses if you can get your hands on that <laughs> i strongly stand by crazy horses Sid and Marty Croft stuff it, It's all Pretty Has an element of weirdly surreal Aspect to the whole thing Yeah I, like I've always wondered what their deal was Because It all was a little bit psychedelic And then really corny And You kind of got a sense that it was this mix Of like Probably like old timey like showbiz folks Setting it all up But then like young like hippies had to like execute these shows. Yeah. So it was a bizarre mix. And you know, the, the thing they all had in common, if you watch any of them, is, except for Land of the Lost, I guess, uh, is this terrible laugh track, like the loudest, <laughs> most annoying laugh track in the entire world. <laughs> Oh, 
May of 1977, along comes Star Wars. Stand by alert. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range, 15 minutes. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as Star Wars. Here they come. The more you see it, so the, fun begins. the better it gets. Star Wars Rated PG starts tomorrow at a theater near you. How did Star Wars then and Donnie and Marie, how did this how did this come together? Well, it's actually kind of cool. Like this is the part that made me want to research it because I love like why that stuff happened. So Donnie and Marie, their whole deal was like Every episode, they would end the episode where all of the guest stars would don, whatever comedians and actors and musicians, they'd all get together and do like a big dance number with each other, and they'd sing like a variety of songs, um, little like you know one two minute versions of popular songs, and there were like these weird disco meets show tune versions of popular songs, very fun, very cheesy, well worth watching all of them. But uh, it really in my opinion. So meanwhile, um, Charles Lizencott, who was the uh, advertising publicity supervisor for the Star Wars Corporation, which is what 20th Century Fox kind of set up for George Lucas to promote the movie. Yeah, Charles Lizencott, uh, by the way, he's on uh, Facebook, and he uh, possibly uh, posts the most things on Facebook per day, probably on average of anyone on the, on the planet Earth. <laughs> oh, man, I should check out his paper again. I've been reading his blog, no. which is pretty sweet. He's, he puts up new stuff on his blog every day, but I bet it's the same content. Like, is it, like, um, like pre-fur, chewy drawings and stuff like that? No, like, I'd say, I'd say 90% of the stuff he puts on Facebook is just sharing Star Wars news. So that's his world, though. That's what makes it kind of interesting, because he's the guy who really started that. Like, if you go way back to when Lucas was just trying to get the film off the ground, I think Lucas went to him, and then they set him up at 20th Century Fox. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the order of things. Okay. But, because he worked on Westworld before that. Interesting. And... So, like, he got it, right? And he had been to all these sci-fi conventions to promote other stuff. So he knew that there was this groundswell of, like, the hardcore sci-fi fan that he could, like, appeal to. And so he was trying to get the word out about Star Wars early so that 20th Century Fox wouldn't pull the plug if they... Because there would be people, like, anticipating the film, you know? That was his theory. Always create anticipation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Star Wars comes out, blows up huge deal uh, and Charles is sitting pretty like he's sold the toy license he has sold the comic license Star Wars figures R2-D2 Chewbacca Luke and Princess Leia they're the Star Wars early bird set of figures these action figures are not yet available but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with this colorful Star Wars picture display stand and certificate to send in to get a set of figures by mail they'll be sent to you at home between February 1st and June 1st the Star Wars Early Bird Certificate Package, new from Kenner. When it comes to marketing, he's 
he's kind of a genius. Now, that, a lot of that's driven by a lot of people around him, too, but he is generally, you know, associated with all that stuff happening. Yeah, pretty, and then, pretty important in the big picture, like, because so much of Star Wars now is the licensing. That's like what Disney said, you know, we didn't just buy it. The films, we bought a brand. Oh, for sure, yeah. And he was on the ground floor of that brand. Right. But he uh, wanted to keep the movie alive. Like, he had this theory that, you know, if if Star Wars is going to do its, like, middle American drive-in run, they needed to be on TV. Let's remind America about Star Wars. If it's going to hit, you know second-run theaters on the West Coast. Get them on TV. We've got to remind people about Star Wars. Yeah. Because there was nothing else that was going to keep it up. There was no home video, no internet. There was nothing at all to remind people about Star Wars except for putting Star Wars on TV because everyone watched TV back then. Yeah. Wait, wait, so, okay, real quick, I'm, I'm curious. What was the date of the Donnie and Marie special? So Donnie Marie was September 23rd of 1977. Okay. Okay. Ten days before that was the first time Charles Lippincott ever licensed Star Wars things to another TV show, which was actually weirdly the Richard Pryor show. That's a YouTube gem. Richard Pryor as the bartender at the cantina, just riffing on the outfits. And and I think you were the one that told me that that was like the first time a lot of people really got a good close-up look at those outfits. Yeah, I went to um, the cantina panel at Celebration, and there's 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 dudes out there that live and breathe the cantina and they swear by that Richard Pryor special because there, there's so many people in the background of the cantina that you never get a good look at. And they were saying like, it is, it wasn't until that Richard Pryor special that we could really get a good look at some of the masks, some of the creatures, some of the aliens. So check out the Richard Pryor star Wars cantina thing. So that was 10 days before the Donnie and Marie special. Yeah, so they must have both been cooking at the same time. Like, I can't imagine both deals hadn't already been made at that point. Right. So there was a whole fall run of Star Wars to worry about. Like, whatever he was trying to market at the time, like, he had it in his head. He's got to get these movies publicity, so he's got to put all these dudes on TV shows. And, like, after Donnie and Marie... You know, like Mark Hamill would be on like a Bob Hope special, and somewhere in there, the robots end up on Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find the date on that one. Okay. Um, but anyway, it all, and I'm sure the date's out there. Who knows? I'm going to be totally off. 
Yeah, and they did do similar stuff before Empire, but they had already they they had already kind of felt a little burned by the holiday special by then. So this is a pretty unique era because this is the when they just saw TV as a tool for marketing at the at that point. They didn't realize that like people would start to associate that with the creative. That wasn't even like a spot at the time. That thought was like what's Anthony Daniels doing? Donnie and Marie needs him, you know? Yeah, well, and there, was, there was no home video. Exactly. So movies exactly. movies would play, and they'd play for a while, but once they were gone, they were gone. Oh, yeah. Like, you might be lucky and see it on TV when it makes a big, like, ABC debut or whatever. Right. That's as good as it got. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, if you don't go see... Rears the Lost Ark now, you're never going to see it again. I know, it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, staying up late because I knew View to Kill was going to be on ABC. I'm like, man, I missed it in the movie theater. I gotta see View to Kill. <laughs> I haven't seen a View to a Kill in years. <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> James Bond is a man of action in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> So Charles Lippincott, he makes these deals with with the TV networks, gets gets the cantina on the Richard Pryor show. So what's the next step with Donnie and Marie? Okay, so Donnie and Marie is a formula. Pure and simple. Like, Donnie and Marie were going into their third season. They had it down. Last number of the show is going to be a Star Wars parody. And every episode of Donnie and Marie is the same pattern. Like, they do their song and dance numbers with their guest stars. Um, then they do the big tribute number at the end. So it was just a no-brainer. Star Wars was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Let's do Star Wars. This is, sep- this is September, and Star Wars had ruled America that whole summer. I've seen Star Wars about a dozen times. Star Wars, 17 times. Star Wars? Uh... 40 times, and it was great each time. 41 About 57 times. 69 You can never get too much of Star Wars. I, I've seen the first Star Wars 153 times. All together, we have seen Star Wars 324 times. So I think, like I was saying earlier about the, the Sid and Marty Croft shows, I don't think everyone on board got it. Like, I think they knew, they all knew it was big, but they certainly didn't exactly know what to do with the material. You can see, like, in the episode itself, they do this parody of Star Wars, and Donnie and Marie are Luke and Leia, uh, which is funny that they're brother and sister in real life, because at the time... <laughs> yeah, that wasn't... No, that no, wasn't, that wasn't anything yet. That was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's funny about the way they did that stuff is they were pretty good actors for yeah. the most part. Um, you know, there's other episodes where, like, they're doing, like, Mae West and W.C. Fields. or like, you know, they can always kind of do the thing. They're showbiz veterans, even though they're in their 20s. Yeah, they're, that- like, rock-solid, hard-working showbiz veterans. Let's you know? put on a show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, which I, I'm always charmed by that. I think that's the best. Right. She's nobody's kid sister anymore. You know something, Marie? 
There's been a lot of talk about you growing up, but what about me? And he's nobody's fool. But who are they? I wish we had another mystery to solve. They're Donnie and Marie. any kind of thought into casting or right? like that one just wasn't a thing they already had Red Fox and Chris Christopherson set up to be the guest stars right Paul Lind was a regular on the show so he was definitely going to be involved and then um, you know the Lucas folks sent over Peter Mayhew and Anthony Daniels and uh, I don't know who, what the deal was with C-3PO or I, I'm sorry with the R2-D2 in it R2-D2's there, but really doesn't really do much besides kind of drive in, make a few noises, and drive back out again. But he's there. Well, and uh, this was probably the first time then, right? Unless, I what, think so. Because 3PO, 3PO and R2 were at the Oscars, but that was that was 78. So this is probably the first, the first time that C-3PO and R2-D2... Like those suits, the costumes, the R two D two robot, remote control robot, whatever was going on, it was the first time they were seen or used since the original film. Oh, oh, you made it! Certainly not. That would never work. And I think you know, probably that was the biggest selling point. If you watch the opening of the show, which really doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. The first thing they tell you is like, oh, and hey, tonight, R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewbacca, and Darth Vader are on the show. Like, they don't bother with actor names or anything. It is, you know, you gotta watch tonight. These four guys are here, you know? <laughs> so, so anyway, they, they uh, have Donnie and Marie playing Luke and Leia, uh, brother and sister. Super yeah. weird that they were already playing off of that. Right. Red... Red Fox is Obi-Wan Kenobi, but they call him, like, Obi-Ben Oki-Fanoki, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish Obi-Ben Oki-Fanoki were here. Yeah, he'd tell us what to do. I'll tell you what to do. Why don't you look over there? It's your chance for escape. <gasps> oh, look over there. It's our chance for escape. Uh, Paul Lind is Grand Moff Tarkin, which is the best <laughs> casting in the world. <laughs> Hear my voice. Where you are, stop the plane, grab a car, on a cloud, on a star, come back to me. And... Darth Vader, of all people, is Thurl Ravenscroft. Does that name ring any bells to you? Yeah, he is the voice in the Haunted Mansion ride. On the cliff doors creak and the tombstones quake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim bring ghosts come out to socialize. Totally, exactly it. And Tony the Tiger. There go. <laughs> I didn't realize that. And what's crazy, because oh, yeah. when I rewatched uh, the Donnie Marie special in preparation, when Vader comes out, I was at first I was like, what the hell is up with Vader's voice? But then in the back of my head, I was like, why does it sound so familiar? You, you intergalactic fool. You 
never get them back that way. I suppose you have a better plan. No plan at all. Just a little force. There go. Chris Christopherson is there at the episode, right? Yeah. Which and Chris earlier Chris- in the Chris Christopherson's entry in the episode, because like this legit rocket ship is there, and they're like, "Oh look, it's Han Solo, right?" And like Chris Christopherson is there holding like a dollar store spaceman helmet, and he's got like aviator shades on, and he is leaning against that set to save his life. Man, he is so out of it by that point in the episode. Yeah. No, yeah. like seriously. Go and watch Like if you want to pause the podcast right now And jump over to YouTube And watch the episode This is a good point to do it And just pay really close attention to Chris Christopherson Because yeah The dude is on something He is plowed trying to, to impress Marie in a really weird way, in a way that most episodes of that show never really felt like that. So he's already on the prowl at this point. He breaks the wholesome thing going on for a little bit. Yeah, he doesn't care about wholesome. And I imagine, knowing what I know now about that period of his life, he's got to be many cocktails into his evening by the time they, they dress him <laughs> up like Han Solo. <laughs> Well, that's a good question because, like, hey, I wonder, were, were they renting costumes, do you think, from Lucasfilm? Like, is Chris Christopherson yeah. wearing Han Solo's, like, Harrison Ford's oh, costume? That part I don't know. That's interesting because I couldn't – I knew that the Stormtrooper outfits are legit from Lucas. I know, obviously, like, Chewbacca and C-3PO and stuff are the real deal. I don't know about that. I mean – that's a great question. Yeah. I totally. wonder who was inside the Vader suit because David Prowse is a huge dude. I wonder who they yeah. found to fill out that Vader suit. I got to think that they had enough people working on that show. Cause like what, what's interesting is that every episode of that show has like a million dancers, just stage packed with, Side dancers, right? So you have to think one of those dudes is six foot five, and they were just like, "Hey, man, you get to play with Darth Vader tonight," you know. Um, but so, and that's part of like the weird charm of the thing. Without like going through the whole thing, because you're right, people have got to watch this. Yeah. Essentially, it's like this very truncated version of A New Hope, except for I think so. Whoever, whoever, like 
put this together. I just don't think they understood what the force was. Yeah, because like, there's the classic. There's the classic line. Uh, uh, by the power of my force. I bow by the power of my force. I shall return. That's not how the force works. <laughs> Use a little of my force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like I, whoever wrote it, I don't know if they saw Star Wars. Yeah, like there's that part where Red Fox doing his Obi Wan is like, like uh, literally saying like, "Well, the force doesn't affect me." It's like, <laughs> dude, you are. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're like the representative of the Force. Like, yeah. what are you even talking about? <laughs> the Force can't touch me. I come from a distant planet, 10 million light years away. Uh, Shorter if the lights are with you. <laughs> but they just didn't know, and that's what's... But anyway, like, that's what's the charm is. Like, I think they actually think Grand Moff Tarkin is the most important bad guy too, like the way they treat Paul Lynn is like he's bigger in the episode than Darth Vader is. Yeah. And like, oh man, and his song is the most outrageous thing in the if you ask me I've, I watched his song over and over trying to figure out what they were trying to do. There's like a, a chroma key behind him of like just NASA footage and there's girls <laughs> yeah. just marching around him and then he's singing this like show tune about being on like a lagoon on a different planet <laughs> the 1970s or maybe you call it cocaine oh man oh listen to Red Fox's voice in that episode and you cannot tell me that he is not like five days into whatever bender he is on (laughs) he's just like (laughs) can barely talk everything he says is just this hoarse terrible last gasp voice like oh man Red, you gotta get some sleep, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You need a nap. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, you know what's really super cool about the episode, though, is they do these big song and dance numbers of, like, these popular songs, and that is actually really impressive to me. Like, if you ask me, that's one of the coolest parts of the episode is they do, like, uh, leaving on a jet plane and uh, Barry Manilow's Riders to the Stars and Peggy Lee's Show Me the Way to Get Out of This World, like all these semi-space-related songs, and yeah. they kind of make them all tie into the Star Wars plot. So if you look at the credits for it, there's this guy named Earl Brown okay. who is long-term... TV music director has been around the TV industry, you know, since the 50s. And he's a guy arranging the music, right? Okay. 
his assistant is a guy named Alf Clausen. Does that ring any bell? It does, but I can't, I don't, what's the connection? It is the Simpsons musical director. Wow. Do you think about all those brilliant Simpsons music parodies that they've done? And that dude was cutting his chops on the Star Wars Donnie and Marie episode. Wow. I know. Kind of genius, right? <laughs> I wonder if anyone knows that, that works on The Simpsons. Like, if anyone's like, so, uh, Star Wars Donnie and Marie. Like, <laughs> what was up with that, man? <laughs> Somewhat. Oh, that's like the ultimate like writing staff of nerds like you have to think someone is just has already brought that up in great <laughs> detail to him yeah. and there's other I mean if you look at like the whole credits are really interesting like um, the guy who directed it um, did a lot of work with like Sid Marty Croft and he was like very big in the variety show world in general uh-huh. uh, a guy named Mark Fisher and he is the guy who introduced Chroma Key to television. Okay. For people that don't know, explain Chroma Key. Chroma Key is the art of taking a color out of an image so that there's essentially nothing behind it. So you can put anything you want behind it. Nowadays, everyone talks about green screen. It's what green screen was in the 1970s. Um, they used blue because that was what most movies did before that. Like movies were using that years and years before TV started doing it. Right. Um, but that's, like, what's amazing about, like, Tanya Marie has got all these kind of bad chroma keys in every episode. They're always trying to do tricks with it. But that was really cutting edge in the 70s. Like, oh, yeah. hottest stuff, hottest TV going on, really. Yeah, it was the CGI of the 70s. Totally, yeah. It's like, uh, I remember that first time you like saw CGI on a TV show. No. You're just like, whoa. The other interesting part about the episode, so like, where I kind of said like old school dudes like this Art Fisher and the Sid Marty Croft are like setting it up, but like hippies have to carry it out, right? Uh-huh. If you look at the writers, it's really illuminating because it kind of points to the future of Star Wars on television. Okay. And what I mean by that is uh, there are, you know, there are other writers uh, who work on it, but the two main writers are this guy named Red Warren and uh, a famous joke writer named Bruce Valanche. Oh, yeah. Now, Red Warren was a variety show veteran. They've done Donna Summers and The Carpenters and Lily Tomlin and he knew the score. I, I bet every major TV studio knew that you could drag him into any of these specials and he would deliver, right? Those two guys kind of spearheaded this episode. So Warren and Valanche were noticed by CBS who was paying attention to Star Wars and had been working with Lippincott to try and create something for their network that was exclusively Star Wars. 
Hey, CBS, what's coming on? Friday, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee holiday celebration? Watch and find out. Then on Flying High, the girls put it on and take it off. You know what? What? I don't think either one of us is going to get much sleep tonight. Join us for a far-out Friday, beginning at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. And so, when the team was being put together to do the holiday special, those two dudes, based on the strength of the Donnie and Marie episode... The strength. Strength. Yeah. Strength. <laughs> yeah. The, the, that turned um, out great. Let's get more of that. Totally. We need two hours of this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. They they were paired with Pat Proft, who was a, a variety show guy at the time, but he would actually go on to write like Police Academy and Real Genius. And so anyway, they were all paired together, and um, they were they were the core writing staff of the holiday special. And no matter what weird creative ended up going into it, and there's all the kind of the myth of like. Lucas giving them a rundown of like Wookiee Rashana essentially. Yeah. And it was because of the holiday special that suddenly Lucasfilm pumped the pumped the brakes with not licensing out our characters to anyone anymore. Oh, absolutely. The Living Hot Theory was totally erased. And they because I think you know, I think when, like, these characters were on Donnie and Marie and Richard Pryor and stuff, I don't think Lucas watched it. Yeah. I think he, he thought TV was below him, and I just don't think he cared about it. He was, he was prepping Empire, you know? Yeah. It's safe to say he's a little bit of a control freak, maybe. Um, <laughs> and I, I would have loved to have seen his face in September of 77, if he watched the Donnie Marie special, like when the stormtroopers come out dancing or in, incredibly drunk, Chris Christopherson as Han Solo. Dancing stormtroopers. That, if there's any one image I want your listeners to walk away with, it's, it's the image of those dudes snapping their fingers, rolling in at watched it recently i was really looking at those stormtrooper costumes and i was like you know those are legit because like there's no pieces falling off or anything or everything fits everybody really well and like it looks yeah. it's totally legit i think that's partially why like because i show like really good dancers for the most part um yeah those stormtroopers pretty much just do the rick flair strut for the most part <laughs> And so folks may not know this, but the, the, the story 
with Donnie and Marie and Star Wars still goes on to this day, even in the Force Awakens era. Totally. So they are super fans. And when it all comes down to it, I think they're, they're in love with showbiz, and Star Wars is like a huge part of showbiz. And when your new movie came out, they rented an entire movie theater to themselves and their friends and family and hosted their own special screening of it. That was Osmond's only. <laughs> Osmond's only screening of The Force Awakens. And I, I read an interview with Donnie Osmond. And it's funny because in the interview, he's like, you know, Star Wars owes a lot to the Osmonds. <laughs> I was like, dude, ah, maybe. <laughs> All of it. Everything. There, there would be no Blast Points podcast. Not at all, dude. You would hate Star Wars if it wasn't for this episode. <laughs> I thank you, investigative reporter Brad Toriano. And uh, I hear you're watching the Droids cartoon. Hardcore. Droids <laughs> cartoon is an obsession of my, my son is six. Uh-huh. He's discovering the Star Wars universe. And he's loving droids, and I'm loving droids. Uh, yeah, it's been super fun to go back. Well, let's have you back on for an investigative report of the droids cartoon. Take some notes. Oh, man, we're going to have to talk the, uh, the great heap. <laughs> it could be a six-part <laughs> podcast series. <laughs> All right, man, well, thank you so much for having me on. I love your podcast, and uh, I'm happy to contribute. Thank you, Brad. Thank you so much. So I just want to thank our investigative reporter, Brad Toriano, one more time for all of his extensive research he did. And, you know, it's it's interesting because as much as things like the Donnie Marie and the Holiday Special are looked at as dark spots in the history of Star Wars, who knows what could have came after them if those things didn't happen. And for the most part, I would say Lucasfilm still has pretty tight control over their characters and how they're depicted. And that's all because of these random moments of weirdness. So next week, we'll be back with Gabe. And we're going to be talking about all the latest Star Wars things going on. And we're going to be talking about uh, some stuff that has to do with some of the old special editions. In the meantime, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We've got some reviews we're going to be reading on next week's show. And yours could be in there. So leave us that review on iTunes. We're going to have more questions from kids. And you can head over to Twitter. You can talk to us at blast underscore points. Let us know what kind of topics you would like to hear. Feedback for the show. Anything. We'll listen. Like us on Facebook. There's a Blast Points page. We're on Instagram. You can check us out there. And you can read my weekly reviews of Star Wars Rebels on doomrocket.com. So until next week... Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.
Hey, Marie, that sure was a lot of fun doing a takeoff on Star Wars. We'd like to thank tonight's guests, Red Fox, Chris Christopherson, Paul Lind, the Osmond Brothers, Rita Coolidge, Casey Christopherson, the Galaxy characters from Star Wars, and our own Ice Angels. But most of all, we'd like to thank you for sharing this evening with us. May tomorrow 